0: Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Good afternoon everyone. This is Friday 31st of December 2021. This is the last day of 2021 and I'm here in the Pinelander podcast studio with my ranger buddy Mike Blackburn. We're excited today. We have a special guest, a guest author or an author, a blacksmith publishing author who is the author of the playbook Subtitled A Conservative's Guide to Becoming a Liberal Elite. And we say that tongue in cheek, as you will discover. But our today's uh, guest is Mike Adkins, Charlie Mike Adkins. If you just think about the army there for a second, you'll understand how that's awesome. But uh, Mike, can you hear us? I, I do. Awesome. Right on, man. Five bye. Hey, so this is an exciting book that you have. Uh, Mike and I are excited about it. And uh, I wonder, we were thinking about how to kick off this podcast, but I can't think of any better way than to just let you kind of wax philosophically. and Just tell us about yourself uh, and really why you wanted to write this book, why you think that this book was needed. I know it is, but maybe you can tell our listeners why you think this book was needed for today. Something like that.
1: Had contract with Socom, actually teaching this to our to our special operators across across uh, both the Army uh, and the Marine Corps, a little bit of the Navy as well actually, and um, that application of looking at other humans, looking to see what they're what they mean versus what they say, and you start seeing a lot of discrepancies. And as I took that skill set, I applied that to the political spectrum of the United States. I already knew. right. Some things were not right within the political landscape of our country. But as I learned how to use, essentially, uh, a skill set that helps detect deception, right, Mm and a skill set that helps identify when psychological operations are being used against the population, the actions of of the political left and the, and the, the socialist movement in the country became so blatant to me that I was... I felt obligated to kind of Mm. write. Intended really just to to take the actions that are already being done and highlight those in an entertaining method, right? to help people remember things. If something is just absolutely boring and and painful to read, you're not going to remember that. But if you take something you make it fun, even if it's a serious subject, right? Uh, you're going to be more likely to remember that and learn that. And I think it's important for us for us to identify and highlight the things that we're seeing going on in the, in the country around us.
2: Well, listen, uh, Mike uh, Mike Blackburn here.
1: Um,
2: I mean, the only question I, I think the audience is probably just dying for me to ask is, how long have you been a right-wing extremist? And <laughs> did, it, did it happen over time or was there a traumatic event that took place?
1: <laughs> I think as any good extremist would tell you, it's a combination of both. <laughs> well, you know, you,
2: you mentioned the fact that you know, you're writing, you're writing this stuff down. It's, you, you, you got no intention of, you know, writing a book. I mean, you're basically just, you know, having fun and, uh, you know, just capturing some things that come to your mind, you know, doodling, so to speak. Sure. But, you know, the the, the speed at which the, the left has really... I, I don't think anyone saw this coming five years ago. I mean, the no, speed no. at which... Yeah, we're in crazy land now. Is almost phenomenal. So, to me, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your book, and I'm going, I wouldn't even want to. Even if, if, even if you set out to write this book, can you imagine how challenging it is just to try to keep ahead of events?
1: Well, that that was actually part of the problem. Um, some of the things that I had written about were essentially written as if they were to be done in the future but then before the book was before the book was done they came to pass which was kind of vindicated my you know in one way it kind of vindicated my my uh, beliefs of the of the route that the that the left was taking but uh, on the on the other hand it kind of undermined my book because now I'm, t- I'm writing about something that's already happened as if it's in the future and I have to I had to revise literally just to keep up with the craziness of of the events going around or were happening all around us yeah, it's like,
2: yeah, it just, it just kind of stole your originality,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah. you, you came up with it first, and then just, it was like somebody was <clears throat> parked out freaking, uh, you know, bugging your, your house and, and taking all your great ideas <laughs> and, and implementing them before you could have a chance to, to get your book published.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, what helped me, I think helped me a lot, was actually uh, Mike, when, well, when you sent me the first kind of agreement we talked about, hey, uh following my conversation with Paul, we Paul said, Hey, you know, by the way, you know, I have you ever heard of blacksmith publishing <laughs> when he when we were first talking about the book. And of course you had it. Of course I had not, right? <laughs> yeah. I did not. <laughs> uh, I tell everybody about it now. Matter of fact, I'm wearing my blacksmith publishing shirt right now. But um he, you nice. know, he introduced me to you obviously and you sent you know you sent me this essentially a timeline said so, hey you know get this done you know here's here's when you need to get this done and I, that was a tremendous help to me i think uh you know i i'd like to credit paul um but on you know on getting me moving again but i gotta i gotta give credit to you mike on on really keep keeping me focused and saying hey look mm-hmm. you know if we're gonna do this this is when you need to do it and this is how you need to do it and hurry up you know and uh and i think that was that was Uh, Instrumental in really getting us to this point where we are now.
2: Well, and likewise, I mean, you, you, you know, you uh, hounding me too, like Mike. Are you going to get the thing edited? I mean, come on, buddy. Let's let's get off your butt and let's get this thing edited. So we're kind of going back and forth. We're kind of encouraging each other here. It's one big family. We just want, at the end of the day, we want uh, to have a fun product out there that people can pick up on Amazon or you know Barnes and Noble or wherever they get their books and. And just enjoy it. It's a good read. It's a fun read. It's, Absolutely. It's a, I mean, to me, it's like that. I don't know. It's the book that you, uh, you know, you pull out at the party after everybody's had uh, some eggnog or, you know, whatever <laughs> adult beverage of their choice. And they just start, you know, reading out excerpts from the book because it's, you know, it's just that, it's, it's that kind of a fun book. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I try to keep it. I try to keep it funny. i tell you that was quite honestly, difficult uh particularly difficult in a couple of key portions and uh, one of those was when you look at the way that the liberal agenda so to speak encourages or or even the side effect of the liberal agenda is damaging and dangerous to our to our children mm, yes uh, that that was very very difficult for me to write that kind of be trying to be funny and make it uh, and, and try to say it in a way that that uh, looks as if i'm encouraging it because of course that's what the book is it's it's all written in sarcasm um, that was very difficult for me you know I, i'm a father and a grandfather uh, it's very difficult for me to write about these negative aspects of liberalism and try to paint those as a positive thing when it's when it, when it involves you know the, the detriment of our children
2: well i hadn't even thought about that but You're absolutely right, and I I was even having a phone call today with a with a good friend of mine. I mean, we go back, uh, you know, back when we were E fives together uh, in the 82nd Airborne Division. Not not to date myself, but uh, we um, we were talking about the fact that the sides have become so polarized now, and isn't it a shame that you know we're not able to you know sit around the big table and discuss viewpoints? Now, you and I even had this conversation because what has historically been labeled liberal, I don't even think that's even an accurate term anymore because... I agree with you. We we have, you know, the entire country, um, in my opinion, is really kind of shifted left. Um, I wouldn't even say... Kind of? <laughs> well... I'm, I'm yeah. talking, you know, I think what some people might disagree with me on is the fact that I even think conservatism has shifted quite a bit left. Yeah. But yeah. we are still yeah. within the realm of what we consider to be Americana, freedom, um, capitalism, all the things that sort of make up this country <clears throat> are what the ideas of America were in the founding fathers. And but the left is left that sort of framework, and now they're they're straight up communists now. They're straight up into Marxism, yeah. you know, cl- you know, gathering it all up and and uh, doing yeah. the distribution. So it's it's almost to, to me. I was telling my friend, I don't even think a conversation is even possible anymore because I'm not interested in Marxism.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. Well, I, I tell you, that's actually you know it's funny you say that because that is actually addressed yeah and, uh, the chapter 13 uh kind of what you're talking about you know it's called chapter 13 is called playing the long game right and it kind of re- what it does initially it references back when uh barack obama was was in office and he said he spoke of fundamentally transforming the country or fundamentally transforming the united states of america yeah. I, I believe that they were successful in there. They have the most yeah. effective uh, psychological operations campaign, I believe, in the history uh, of the world, arguably maybe with China giving them a run for their money yeah. right uh, on, the, on the psychological operations that they're running against their own people, maybe possibly even to throw North Korea in that mix. But look at the company that we're keeping, though, when I say that. You know, here I'm comparing how successful the, the leftist propaganda is, and I'm comparing it to you know, communist China and, and, and North Korea. That says yeah. something.
0: That does say something, Mike. Hey, uh, so I wanted to jump in here too before uh, I, I forget because I'm getting old like you guys and I have uh, sometimes have half So sometimes <laughs> I have some timers. But uh, one of the things that you address in your book is something I see, and probably the last, unless you've lived under a, a rock for the last 10 years, you kind of see this. And that is that the boundaries of American society has uh, have been removed. They removed the boundaries, if you understand yes. what I mean. Uh, you know, yes. what constitutes whatever has been, the boundaries have been, now you have, now go off in a little tangent here, but uh, just watching, uh, I think I was watching Tucker Carlson, Carlson last night about, uh, or the night prior about the, uh, the transgender athlete who was a, a swimmer and, you know, he couldn't yep. really make it in men swimming. And now he's uh, Leah, and he was Andrew or whatever. And he's just mopping the floor with the ladies. Yep. And just the idea is you remove the boundaries. And then we we wonder why there's such chaos. He's not even a little fella. Yeah. Not I even mean, I, a little I fella, saw yeah. a picture of
2: him standing swimming next to Swimming
0: with uh, testosterone is his vibe.
2: Yeah. I saw him standing next to a female swimmer, and I was like, that looks yeah. like a man with his, you know, 10-year-old daughter. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the guy looks like a giant. So yeah. I mean, it's um, I think I think the whole I think that whole. Um, I mean, if you if you care about if you care about female sports at all, this has yeah. got to concern you.
0: Yeah, that's and my whole point, Mike, is you're putting a pulse on the problem. That's that's yeah. really it. In uh, the playbook, there really I think there really is a playbook uh, that the left uses. And uh, you and I and Mike don't really know it because they don't want to reveal it. But that's I'm I'm not invited to Davos. I mean, uh, (laughs) neither are you. Uh,
2: But this really is the the relations committee or any of the other other these. Yeah.
1: Leftist thing. Yeah, you haven't been a guest on the View.
0: No, nah, no, yeah,
2: but that would be fun, wouldn't it? You know, blacksmith publishing on the View.
0: How long would we last before we got I the, think, uh, I think, the, the? I think I think I think
2: you and Whoopi would be just like in, on the ground freaking yeah. doing some crazy, you know, mixed martial arts or something. I think so. I
0: could I could do that. <laughs> but yeah, that's my whole point, Mike. Is what I like about your work is it highlights that it's like, hey, this is actually. Tongue in cheek. This is the playbook, if they were to write it, and that's yeah. for our listeners. That's really what it is. It's like this is if they just came out and said what they're actually doing. This is what it would look like. <laughs> is that about
1: right, Mike? Yes, yes, yeah. sir. I mean that that was the intent of, of the the way that I was writing it. Um, you know, just just like when I refer to you know, successful or yeah, well, I mean, I guess you would call it successful. I, uh, communist movements in the past when yeah. about me what i mean by successful is they successfully conquered their people when i refer to that it, i refer to that in a positive light like yeah this is what we really want to happen you know i know that it resulted in 50 million deaths but listen yeah there's a positive side to look at this it helped <laughs> reduce famine that helped produce that helped produce labor you know i just did all kinds of great good you know but you're looking at that and you're going wow, that people really think that way.
0: Yeah. Haven't
2: we always just sat around? I mean, I, I'm sure I'm not alone when, you know, we'd sit around in these history classes and, you know, you look at the 1930s, uh, Germany, and, and uh, all these other things, and you go, man, how did these people let this happen? Mm. And then you're sitting there in your own country and you're like, wow. You, know, now you start to kind of see how people can just ignore the evil. Yeah. And sort of just go along with
0: it, thinking that it's just not going
2: to affect them.
0: Yeah. That, until, you're,
2: you know, until you're the frog in the pot and yeah. it's just too late.
0: I've seen that so many times, just not to pick on any of my family members and not in the immediate family. But maybe you guys can attest to this. I hear people say, well, that's, that happens, but that doesn't affect me. As long as yeah. it doesn't affect me. And that's kind of the attitude. It's like, but then, yeah, you actually are the frog in the pot. There's either. And that's too late. There's even another
2: side, which is, you know, we all, we all know the story where, you know, you go up to, you know, the, the gentleman or the lady or whatever. And you say, hey, um, I hate to tell you this, but your spouse is cheating on you. And they're like, no, 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 no. But you have the hard evidence. You're sitting there like, here, look, look, I got the video and I got the pictures. But they're like, no, 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 no. That's not happening. You just don't understand. And there's there's a certain part I think of people that if they ignore the problem, it's less work. Because as soon as you as soon as you accept the problem, well, th- then you have a dilemma. You know that yeah. that, 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 that requires action. You leave the guy, or you're going to have to confront him. I mean, everything becomes uncomfortable. I think Americans are beginning. To get uncomfortable, we saw that I think with the moms up in Virginia, uh, you know, battling the school boards up there, trying to take silent majority, trying to to take their educational system back. Uh, What do you think, Mike? You think people are starting to wake up a little bit?
1: My my hope is that it is the case. However, uh, I think there are large swaths of the country Mm. that are so comfortable uh, with what they with what they have right now in their current day-to-day life, that they become complacent mm. to the point to where they will not stand up. So uh, it's going to be difficult to essentially identify, uh, and, mo- you know, identify the two different groups and then try to find a way to mobilize those who are actually willing to stand up for their, themselves, their family, you know, children's futures.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, that's, uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to go too far back in the past, but uh, if you know uh, John Wesley, of course, the Methodist founder, uh, he said that uh, what one generation embraces, the next—excuse me—that what one generation tolerates, the next embraces. And I think sure. that's what we 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 see is I've seen that. You know, we've seen people tolerate things and tolerate things. And I, look not to—I'm not a. Uh, homosexual basher or anything, okay? I don't want to go there, but I do think it's a sin, okay? I'm just going to come out there and say it, okay? There you go. Uh, and I think uh, if you agree with me, I think your head's in the right place. But the, my whole point is this. I remember back in the old days, and I want to just addre- get into this and address some of the elephants in the room here. Here's one of them. Well, in the old days, uh, I remember in the 80s, they would just kind of laugh. It was like it was the the homosexual guy on the show and they laughed and everyone laughed and it was, they made it funny. But and over time, uh, back when I grew up, that wasn't something you laughed about. That was like, um, that's just something you didn't do. And then over time it became accepted. Like, Oh yeah. So where if you don't laugh, if you laughed, Hey, that's a problem. You got to, you know, you're a racist, you're, you're a homophobe. You got some of the issues and just to the agenda is pushed so that if i don't la- if i don't uh, you know accept it well then i suck and that's what i've i've watched that that's where i see, when i read your book i see that that agenda that if i stand up for biblical truth then then i've got now i'm a i'm one of those people you know sure, i don't they've, did they've i looked, no, yeah,
1: the, yeah i i no, i'm sorry go ahead mike wep- well it's just they've essentially weaponized homosexuality at that point right yeah. because they've turned they exactly. turn Homosexuality into a weapon that can be directed towards you because you have a Christian belief. Yes. You know, how, well how did we get to that point? You know, yeah. how, how, how is it that we turn something like that, which, you know, up until, up until, I don't remember the year, right? Homosexuality was, was considered up to one point, a, by the American Psychiatric Association. 75. Yeah.
0: 1975. It, it was, uh, uh, denigrated to choice, but it was a mental yeah. illness by the DSM three.
1: Yes. Right. So, so, so clearly, right. At one time, and that's just fact. It's not hate
0: speech. That's just facts. Not, it's yeah. not hate.
1: That's, that's just, yeah, that's just how, that's how it was classified by, in the medical community. Yeah. Now, how is it, how is it that they have taken something where, um, where they've got people that clearly need help?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. They And then normalized it. They took the same, they took the same template and applied that, to the transgenders and to all all of the miscellaneous mental illnesses de jour. Yeah, and they've and, applied they've applied that same template that says no, they don't need help. They need to be they need to be heralded as heroes.
0: That's right. It's because it's about money.
1: Well, you know, it's
2: it's you know you, you you brought up a point. I mean, they're not even looking for normalization. I mean, they
0: are looking to be heralded
2: as some sort of uh, superior um, behavior. Um, but the, yeah, you're right. The left doesn't care about mental illness. They don't care about homosexuality. They don't care about, um, marital relationships. Um, all these things are, uh, used to break down the family, to break down the social fabric of the society to bring in Marxism. These people could care less about transgenders. They could care less about homosexuals. They don't they don't care about the mentally ill, they don't care about anybody, but they do understand that they're very useful tools. I think, I think there's people out there that do care. Um, but it's, it's certainly not, you know, your
1: leftist politician. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They, they are concerned. They, they care about them up to the point that they can manipulate them to use them for their benefit. That's how they care about them. Hey, I want about their actual well being.
0: Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, there's a, I just wanted to sneak another book in here. I know we're talking about your book, Mike, but yeah, one of the books that I read, it's, uh, it's, it's written by Michael, another Mike, Michael Brown. Uh, he's also a pastor, and it's entitled A Queer Thing Happened to America, and what a, a long, strange trip it's been. And this is a phenomenal book. Uh, it looks at uh, the agenda, the homosexual agenda, uh, and then also in media, in uh, music, TV, movies, everything, the Ellen DeGeneres, the, the Brokeback Mountain, the Milk, the, the movie Milk, all that stuff, and how that was just popularized and how, and the trajectory of where it's going. And it, again, it's not hate speech. It's, we're just calling it, we're just looking at an agenda and we're we're looking at uh, you know, if you don't follow, you don't toe the line on that, then, uh, you know, you, you lose your job. You're uh, canceled. Right. And, right. Uh, oh, yeah. and anyway, so that's just that's a, another book that goes along with yours. I just want to throw that out there for our uh, listeners.
2: Mike, what do you think about the COVID you know, vaccination uh, experimental gene therapy situation and how it's being handled by the current administration?
1: well before I even answer that I'd just like to just point out something that came up a minute ago which is when you were when you mentioned the uh, polarization of the country is that how in the world have we gotten to a point in this country that something like a vaccine has become a political talking point yeah you know
0: but we are I mean'm I'm not, saying. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying
1: that it's not um, but I, I, but to answer a little bit of my own question. <laughs> well, let, let me let me I just think, for the audience
2: real quick. I mean, all three of yeah. us are retired military. You know, we've all been yes. pincushions and have taken every single shot that a human being could even imagine. Um, you know, yeah. long before FDA approval or anything else. Yeah. Okay, we've all we've all had a ton of shots. Already not, got all the anthrax you know, shots. Yeah, no. we're not we're not anti-vax by no means, but. Yeah. I think all of us have are kind of looking at this thing going yeah. well, this is different
0: yep yeah absolutely
1: well in a nutshell i, I think what I, I think is is fair to say and that i can that i can say is with a reasonable uh reasonable belief that it is accurate is to say that there is more to it than we know there is more going on uh with this vaccine program than the then the public is aware of. Now I'm included in that public, so there's there is something out there. I think that we're not being told maybe maybe a lot of things. Uh, I think it's interesting that uh, Congress uh, wrote themselves a an exemption to the to the vaccine. You know, just like they wrote themselves an exemption to the Obamacare legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very telling to me. Uh, whenever you have a legislative body that's that should be uh, read in on a certain scenario and they immediately distance themselves or protect themselves from that. Yeah. So I am not comfortable, I will tell you personally, I'm not comfortable uh, with a vaccine that goes in and messes with our DNA. Uh, I, can, I can say that much up front, you know. Yeah. It's, that's it's scary to me. We don't know the long-term effects, we don't. Because why? Because the thing hasn't been around long enough to gauge long-term effects.
0: And that's a rational argument. Rational yeah. argument that's not a superstitious argument that's based on the facts. Uh, a lot of people look at, uh, and I, I hear the argument, so do you. The, the anti vaxxers are just crazed, you know, uh, tinfoil hatted, uh, you know, far riders. Well, we're not or something yeah, like that. Well,
2: like, like I said, I mean, we're you know, the three of us are hardly anti vaxxers, yeah. Um, you know, we're you know, we've got we've got plenty of real vaccines, um, that we've that we've uh, taken. Um, but this isn't really a vaccine, is it? I mean, I think they're calling it a vaccine, uh, but it, it doesn't – it isn't like any other conventional vaccine. Um, it does something totally different. It's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's an mRNA uh, gene therapy, uh, which is uh, brand new, highly experimental. Like you said, the data isn't really – out there yet. We really have no idea what we're doing with this thing. We have no idea what the long-term effects are. I'm, I'll am tell you what really bothers me is we know soldiers who, you know, are at, you know, 19 years and, you know, six months, um, and they're being told that they don't take this uh, jab, that they're going to be, they're going to process them out of the military without a retirement. Um. To me, in my mind, that just look that just looks evil. What do you think? It's Mike?
1: Ludicrous. Yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous. You know, there's there's been um, there there was plenty of pushback back when there was the anthrax uh, vaccine. I'm sure you both remember that one. We do. Uh, I I will tell you that I sidestepped that thing as much as long as I could because right? yeah. I didn't like that idea back then. Uh, it was experimental as well. Um, but my understanding is that the Johnson and Johnson one is actually not a gene therapy. It's like a traditional vaccine, like a, like an old school um, flu vaccine. Now whether that's accurate or not, um, I you know, obviously i'm I'm not a doctor, but I think you are right. There's more traditional.
2: The, yeah, I think, I think you are right. There is something different um, with the J and J. Uh, that the Moderna and the Pfizer um, versions—I uh, think there's quite a bit of difference between those because they've had, they've had some some different results from them. I'm not yeah, an expert. No, no, I'm no. not an expert on the jo- on the Johnson and Johnson shot, though.
1: Yeah, I know someone with the Pfizer. I know someone that got the Pfizer, and then uh, a few months later, it came down with COVID. So yeah. you know it's... That, that, that's, and that's what I was, I was discussing this with the same question with my wife uh, just recently. And I told her exactly what I said to you. I said, there is more to this than we're aware of. And that, whatever that is, I don't know. I wish I did know, um, but there's more to it. And I think that over time, part of that agenda is eventually going to reveal itself. And I doubt that it's going to be in our favor.
2: Does... Does our federalist system, our checks and balances, our three branches of government, our 50 states, um, does it does it make you optimistic that we're going to survive this thing just because of our form of government, unlike a lot of the other governments we see around the world?
1: Uh, that's a big question. You know, I think it, it, it is a big question. <laughs> I'm glad it's, it's you
0: that's answering, though, Mike. Well, I mean listen, we,
1: we, we we do have a unique system. We do. And you know, there there was there was a time when I you know I used to I used to even praise Australia for their you know reasonably good system. They've lost their oh gosh, you know, they've lost their minds down there. So they're down under
0: craziness. Craziness the, the, down the, under
1: <laughs> the first the first response I would say is Is that regardless of whether the answer is yes or no, I think we have a better chance of surviving this than any other form of government of any nation that's remaining on the planet. Now, just because we have the best chance does not mean that that's going to be successful. The problem with the. With the way that. Legislation is written is they can essentially. um, Defang the constitution through legislation and they can sidestep the Constitution. The Constitution is, a, is very problematic, uh, particularly the Bill of Rights is very problematic to, to the socialists because obviously it is contrary to their, to their movement. And in order to allow them to advance their agenda, they have to figure out ways to defeat the Constitution, defeat our legal, uh, our constitutionally guaranteed rights. The problem is they have actually found a way to start doing that. If we use the Second Amendment as, I'm, I'm correcting, the First Amendment as an example on that, if we use the first amendment, they'll will say, if they've got got something they don't want you to say, they'll just say, that's hate speech, right? Yeah. Uh, Therefore, is that that speech truly protected in the constitution? Well, not under the way the law is written because the law sidesteps the first amendment. Uh, There was uh, an example in, I want to say it was Illinois, where uh, there was a crowd burning Confederate flags well, there was a counter-protest where they burned a uh, LGBT rainbow flag, and the people that burned the LGBT rainbow flag were arrested for hate crime, mm. whereas those that were burning the Confederate flag said this is uh, this is us destroying hate speech. That mm-hmm. was their argument, and the and the law enforcement uh, supported that and did not arrest them. They did arrest arrest those who were burning the rainbow flag.
0: I'm glad you brought that so, up too, uh, Mike. It's yeah. the uh, I don't want to mess up your train of thought but yeah the just the cancel culture and you know corrupt i see that i mean that's the age-old uh, expression uh from orwell uh you know he who con- you know, uh, controls history controls the future you know just a sure. whole rewriting of history it never happened you know you know whatever you don't agree with just cancel it you know rewrite it constitution our history everything but yeah i just wanted to sneak right. that in there yeah
1: no, absolutely. I mean, you look at look at look uh, at 1984, and they refer to the 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 uh, Ministry of Truth. Yeah. The Ministry of Truth was exactly kind of, kind of what we're experiencing. We're experiencing exactly. our own version scary. of that, where people will simply rewrite something and state it over and over to the point where it's believable.
0: It's fine. Yeah. Who knows? Who knew that 1984 would be somewhat of a playbook? How prescient right. that it was. <laughs> How prophetic that it really was scary. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but but to answer Mike's original question, do I do I think we are we have the ability to survive it? Uh, yes, I believe we have the ability yeah. to survive this this assault from from the com- communist. Do I believe that we will survive it? I'm not convinced. I hate to say that. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, and 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 that will and there's a lot of people that will immediately disagree with that. Of course, we'll survive. We're the United States. Well, you know what? There's people that always said the U.S. dollar would survive because it's an American because it's an American currency, and we're seeing what's happening to it right now on the world market. They, we are not invincible. The way that we'll survive this is, is is if those who want us to survive as a nation believe that that we're not invincible. Therefore, we have to we have to fight for maintaining what we have as opposed to going the opposite and just saying, oh, we're the United States, we're untouchable. It'll be fine because the left is not taking that approach. They are actively seeking out the destruction. So if we take the if we don't actively take up the defense and eventually the offense, they can beat us.
0: Yeah. Hey, so I, I know, uh, Mike, you look like you to say something. I, I had something that. Uh when I read your book, something also for everyone's benefit is I like the way that you highlight Black Lives Matter, Antifa, critical race theory. You 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 highlight these big touch points that are in the yeah. news and you address those. And uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, you know, I've got my own feelings about BLM and Antifa. And, you know, I think we all know that uh, the BLM is a, is a communist. It's decidedly communist. It's based on uh, the communist agenda. Uh, it's against the, the nuclear family. Uh, it's it's uh, whatever. You know, there's so many things you could say about it, but we know that it's a nonsense movement. Anyone with a brain knows that it's nonsense. Uh, Antifa, we know, is a, is a communist movement. So these guys are kind of joined at the hip. My whole question is, Where do you think that's going as far as uh, we all know it's nonsense, but where does it, where does it go from here?
1: Well, I think that ties back into the the statement that Mike made earlier about us being, you know, having a shifted norm in the country or an updated um, kind of culture in our, in our country. It has become not, um, Sufficient. It's become insu- it's because it has become insufficient to not be racist, right? Now you have yeah. to be actively anti-racist yeah. or we'll call you a racist, right? And actually kind yep. of address that in so chapter so you, you mentioned you mentioned the, the, the BLM, so I'm gonna go ahead and throw it throw a shout out to, to one of the chapters here, right? Yeah. Racism and other useful discriminatory practices. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and again, that's tongue in cheek, but if you look at the way the racism is utilized as a tool. Mm -hmm. by the left to manipulate the culture to manipulate those who want to do the right thing you know i think that's important to understand that not all democrats out there are necessary necessarily liberals and they some folks are still voting democrat just because daddy voted democrat or granddaddy voted democrat right and some of them are absolutely being brainwashed or blindsided um by this uh idea that hey if you don't vote this way or if you don't support this particular stance you're a bad person or you're a racist or you're a this or you're a that In, insert uh, appropriate derogatory term here hmm. right and yeah. they manipulate those those good people that do want to do the right thing yeah. uh blm absolutely handled it brilliantly from their standpoint right because you had these two or three uh women that were the the, the founders of this thing yeah help the black community, help the black community by providing us with money to use. That money didn't help the black community. It didn't help. It didn't help pull anybody out of poverty. It did buy each of them, I think two or three, six million, yeah. million mansions. So, great condos. Right?
0: yeah.
1: Uh, but now it's unfortunate because that came out just as I was finishing the book. And I was like, man, that would have been a great thing to add to the book. Mm-hmm. you know, As an example of, of, from the liberal standpoint, how the manipulation, how the manipulation of, uh, of, either the African-American community or those who want to support it, right? How the manipulation of that can be utilized, abused, and taken advantage of by those in charge, because that was, that was exactly what they did. Uh, they made themselves rich off of, um, off of the backs of those that they claimed to be supporting.
2: You, you mean they didn't uh, divvy up the pot
1: equally? <laughs> See, it's funny. It, it is funny, right? <laughs>
2: I mean, I thought they were all about equity.
1: Well, see, that's the thing: racism or <laughs> racism was simply used to support an idea that what that socialism is good because socialism means equality, and who would say that equality is not a good thing? Yeah, but all right.
0: Hey, they don't Mike, mention the part. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So the uh, something on that lines too. The best argument I've seen. Uh, just you know, obviously, you know, our listeners want to get this book, the playbook, but uh, what. Mike does also is a, uh, steers you towards larger views. So this, this kind of just gets your foot in the door with all these other agendas that the left is pushing. And uh, Mike, I just wanted to comment here on uh, critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Uh, this is a good book that I, re- I read. Uh, it's entitled Fault Lines. And it's uh, subtitled The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicals Looming Catastrophe. And so this is a, a man of the cloth, Vodi yeah. uh, he's a preacher he's a black preacher I just wanted to add that because he takes a stand on BLM and says, hey this is nonsense and he just calls it like it is so I love that and he says, look this is not helping any communities and he just takes uh, I mean it's a scathing review of it and my whole point was this he he extracts one idea and that is uh, the they treat it like it's a righteous, issue. So the way I've seen it too is if you aren't uh speaking out against every all their talking points then you're not righteous. So it's like a false righteousness and the high priests yeah. and the high priestess, priestesses of this movement are uh you know of supposedly for people like us, we're three white dudes, and so people of color are the high priests supposedly. And so you have to get your cues from them and so that's like that's racist to its core. So instead of, you know, like, uh, you know, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, which he mentions, would say, it's not your color, it's your character. I mean, that's what he told us, which is correct. It's not your color, it's your character. And so this is just a, you know, a turn. this is a 180 out from that. And I just thought that that was, you know, something that your book highlights is, you know, you know, you're you're like, hey, this is, uh, if you want to be a social justice warrior, it's like, you're now like a high priest of this movement, and your your job is to school everybody else so that they're liberally righteous. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's well, a the social gospel. It's a it's a, you know it's a false gospel. Well,
2: the other the other Amen. thing the other thing that uh, I'd like to hear you comment on, Mike, was uh, you know I've always I've always said that you know, it'll be the, the warrior class, America's a warrior class that, you know, will eventually, you know, save the day. You know, those, those men and, uh, and the women that, uh, are, are, have moral courage and are willing to stand up, uh, regardless of, you know, the, the cost and defend our way of life. Um, but sometimes I get concerned a little bit. Uh, you know, I think of, uh, even uh, Hafer uh, with Black Rifle Coffee, uh, Dan Crenshaw, you know the former Navy SEAL, who's a representative from uh, Texas, and uh, sometimes you, you know you look at these guys and, and you just you know I don't know what happened to them. I mean, they, you know, they just all of a sudden feel like they need to be politically correct and take on all of the leftist uh, talking points. Uh, you know, it's concerning. What do, what do you think about that?
1: Well, the. The idea that um, the warrior class is the ones that will stand up and help uh, protect the country—if you—if you put that in perspective and go all the way back to the beginning—you uh, said something about the cost, right? What it, regardless of the cost, uh, if you look back at the founding fathers, the majority of the founding fathers died penniless. Uh, many of them executed, right, or mm-hmm. or murdered. The idea today of giving up all that you've worked for uh, i think is less likely to happen Uh, even amongst the warrior class uh, if you if you threaten them with the loss of of their livelihood of their homes of their families i think it's going to be much more difficult to find uh, a group of people who are willing to stand up and the federal government is right now taking Taking uh, action to help prevent that ability. I mean, they're they're bolstering the size of, of the federal government to unheard of and never before seen numbers. Uh, look at look even just look at the IRS alone. I I read recently an article. I believe it was either seventy or eighty thousand agents are being added to the IRS. All right, uh, just as as one example of the federal agency being bolstered. We we know. Uh, Many people can probably see what that resembles right if we look back you know to the 40s, this is the same thing that that uh, Hitler did
0: yeah uh, prior state. to
1: prior right right prior to establishing his his stranglehold, uh, he had to put a mechanism in place in order to, to do that, and you have to be able to suppress uh, the people. And it is a it is a complex i I don't have the answer uh, of how to properly negotiate that minefield of the relations right now between the citizens and the citizenry and the government, because it is so convoluted and it is so perverted from what the founding fathers intended for it to be that I, I wish I had an answer and I'm, I'm actively seeking an answer, but as of right now, I don't, I don't know the answer. I think Uh, uh, we can find it.
0: Yeah. You drew a great parallel. And I think the one that resonates is the left agenda and the Nazi agenda. Big, big government, and if you look back in, uh, you know, Hitler in the early 30s, I think that's a f- a, a very fitting analogy. Yeah, it, it works. That's why, and what that's what makes it so scary. Okay, <laughs> I mean, obviously from history, that's not good. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, yeah. I kind of do that. I, I mentioned I mentioned Hitler a few times. Again, yeah. again it's tongue in cheek. It's tongue in cheek, yeah. but it's to highlight it's to highlight some of the parallels. Uh, the the bottom line is this right for the um, for the socialist or commun- the communist movement to take root here in the United States it has to remove the obstacle and that obstacle is the current culture it has to remove our current form of government it has to remove our our current uh, way of life in order to put that one in you can't build a house where a home already exists you have to tear the first tear the old one down first and that is their that is next on their agenda. I think that if, if people understand that uh, above all else and look at the destruction that's intentionally being done, I think their eyes will be opened and make it easier for them to identify uh, what what those things are. Yeah, I agree.
2: There's a lot of folks that say the election process. Um, you know, I you know a lot of people have concern about the 2020 election. I you know I do I do as well. I mean, yeah, I think uh, even if you're, even if you're a denier, um, I, I think even hardcore people that think that we have a great election system in this country are are, are scratching their heads, going, "Why? Well, maybe not." You know, looks like there's a lot of problems here. So, uh, yeah. I can't remember what the latest polling is, but it's you know, it's it's outrageous. And of course, um, Biden, uh, if you look at his poll numbers, I mean, I don't, I think he's setting records for. Being you know easily the most unpopular man to ever sleep in, the, in the White House. But uh, sure. are we going to be are we are we going to be able to fix this system? I mean, is the election system um, going to get fixed in this country, or do, is it just an illusion that the people have choice?
1: I think that depends on. I don't think there's one answer for that. I think it depends on the individual location. When you have the uh, areas that are conducting the elections that are being controlled strictly by the Democrats, then I think that, that you are, historically speaking, more likely to encounter um, less than honest, right, practices, as opposed to. And I hate to generalize Republicans as being honest and Democrats being dishonest because that's not really that's not really fair. But if you look at the areas where all the discrepancies were noted. Okay, just just the facts. Like 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 Paul mentioned earlier, if you take a logical approach to it, you look at just the facts of it. Where were the anomalies seen the most? And it was the areas being controlled by the Democratic Party. Uh, examples of where you're supposed to you're supposed to have both Republicans and Democrats observing the counting. Uh, Republicans, think that was in Chicago. Uh, Republicans got locked out of the polling station, while while all of the um, all the votes are being counted, you had examples in Ohio where the number of, of votes for Biden exceeded the number of registered voters. You had out west, I think it was either North, uh, uh, New Mexico or Arizona, where you had, he barely won by only a few votes. But then they found thousands and thousands of votes that were n- with no name on them. And only mark on them was the presidential vote. No other no other marks on the entire ballot. Yeah. If you look at all those things and you say, nope, this is still on the up and up. I think you're delusional. Uh, I think you're, or you're intentionally, or you're intentionally just saying, I choose, I'm making an active effort to ignore the truth because it doesn't fit my agenda. So I choose to accept a lie or propagate a lie to support what I want.
2: Well, you you brought up the point. We've got Brian Kemp in Georgia, you got Murkowski in Alaska, you got Liz Cheney up in Wyoming. I mean, the long list, uh, it just grows and grows. I mean, this is almost not even a Republican, Democrat issue anymore. it's almost an elitist, a progressive Marxist elitist versus the people. I yeah, mean, isn't sure. that what we're looking at here? I mean, they got certain people that just think that that they're, they're entitled to rule.
0: Yeah, oligarchs.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, look at look at uh, you know there was a quote made by one of the people that was guarding Hillary Hillary Clinton uh, on the night that, that she found out she lost the election to Trump, and she, as, as she was destroying her penthouse and flipping tables and throwing the lamps, right, mm-hmm. and having hissy fit. She's reported to have said, "It was my turn. Mm. It was my turn." So she believed it was she was entitled to the presidency because, quote, "It was her turn." Mm. You know, yeah. That that's the I think this is volume to the mindset of yes, they believe they're entitled uh, to to rule and not govern, and there is a difference. And unfortunately, if. If this is left unchecked, it will continue to migrate from governance to ruling. Uh, But to your your original question, Mike, uh, uh, can can this election cycle and election process be repaired? It absolutely can. The only reason I say it can is because it's supposed to be handled at the state level. And if the states can do the right thing, then yes, it can be corrected. But it has to be handled at the state level. Uh, there is There are grumblings of a constitutional convention. That is a double-edged sword, right? Um, one of the things that they've talked about doing is making a national election standards. As uh, soon as we put the state elections into the hands of the national government, oh my goodness, right? Um, we can we can all see the rabbit hole that that could potentially put us down. So uh, if it's handled by the states, to answer your question, yes, I believe it could be corrected I don't believe certain states will, though. That's my opinion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. um, And I think uh, I just wanted, for the benefit of our uh, listeners, one thing that struck me as I read your book is also the fact that you can't really just believe everything you hear or that you read. You know, there may have been a time where you could do that, but you certainly cannot do that now. You cannot just take everything at face value and, uh, my God, help you if you or listening to Don Lemon, and you're just, <laughs> you know, eating it up with a spoon. Uh, you know, some other guy got Cuomo toast, but, uh, yeah. you know, that's another for another news agency or someone else to talk about. But, uh, but yeah, that that's the idea. I, when I look at your book, it's kind of a wake up call. You know, I, I, I like, uh, I used an analogy before uh, that uh, I think fits, but it's kind of like, uh, uh, just every like the the the, uh, the left's actual agenda you're you're actually you probably are so close to tracing out the outlines for the left's agenda i mean it may be scary how close you are that you came to it if you yeah. actually discovered in you know somebody's you went through Nancy Pelosi's desk and you found her playbook and you found it says the playbook You'd probably play drive. Right, and then yeah, you may get we may get sued for plagiarism here, but it's it's kind of like you found <laughs> an, oper, an operative yeah. during the January yeah. 6th
2: insurrection took out of Pelosi's drawer. Yeah, and you're like that step was, one. He he was just, the funniest thing I've ever heard you say. Yeah. he just he just took white out to Nancy Pelosi yeah. and put his own name in
0: there. Bam. Yeah, and then you you also oh, you know you found uh, you know Yuri Besmanov, and uh, you found that uh, you know you went back in time. And you interviewed Yuri Bezmanov, and maybe you did that too. <laughs> right. You got out of your time machine, you went back to November fifth, or January fifth, excuse me. You got it. I yeah, <laughs> got it. Hey, Mike. In all seriousness, I mean, great book.
2: Um, I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to do very well. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. Um, is there something else on the horizon, man? I know. I know that you're not going to stop here, man. You got. You got some ideas? Are, are you? Are we going to? We some. Future books coming.
1: I I do. I have one, and it is is a different format than this one. Completely different. I've got a few a few ideas, uh, but I'm trying to keep them. The approach to them linear, where I just do one, finish the concentrate on the next one. And Mike, all you, those can, other ideas the you can you can you
2: can tell us our, our listening audience yeah. is only Paul's mother and my mother. Okay, it's yeah. just it's just it's just the five, it's just the five of us. Yeah, all five. It's okay.
1: One of the very few books in the United States ever be attempted to be censored uh, by the FBI was a book called The Turner Diaries. Mm. Uh, The Turner Diaries uh, actually was censored by the the FBI, re-released under the same – allegedly re-released with the exact same uh, title and and book and cover and everything in order to take out the parts that the FBI did not want out there. It was Timothy McVeigh's Mm. favorite book. Uh, The format, though – That that book was written in was in the format of a diary of a person, right? Uh, My next book, uh, again, it is not the Turner Diaries by any stretch. However, uh, I found the format very interesting, uh, in that it shows a series of events over a period of time from the viewpoint of one person, and uh, and his his inner thoughts as he speaks, what he thinks to what he thinks is just to himself in his diary, and uh, I have. I've been interested in, in the format since I, since I uh, was first exposed to it with the Turner Diaries. I would like to try one. I've started it, and it is it is a uh, Chronicles of the Collapse of the United States, right? It's mm-hmm. one man's diary chronicling the, the collapse of the United States. Well, we, 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 we look forward to it, uh,
0: and we hope
2: that that's just going to be fiction. Yeah, of course, it's just a fiction. <laughs> right. Right.
0: it's kind of like *Idiocracy*. It was a, you know, a, a mockumentary that's turned into a documentary right. of sorts.
1: Right. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, it's going to start off as part of It's going to be factual because it's going to be historically accurate, wow. and then it will bring us up. It will bring up to our to our current point. Uh, and, and then continue past that. And then everything past obviously past the current, uh, it would be, be fiction. So I, I hope that it, it creates a very interesting format to be, that keeps keep the reader engaged and uh, helps continue to open eyes of what is going on to our left and right around us in this country.
2: Awesome. Yeah. We look forward to it. Hey, Mike, I think uh, we're kind of running into the uh, the wall here as
0: far as our time, but yeah. I tell you sure. what,
2: I, I, you know, thank you for calling in. This has been absolutely yeah. a phenomenal interview.
0: Yeah, guys, uh, leaders, uh, readers, and listeners out there, uh, Mike Atkin's book, The Playbook, uh, and it is uh, subtitled "A Conservatives Guide for to Becoming a Liberal Elite." Uh, I think it's going to be a lot like Thomas Paine's Common Sense. Hopefully for our (laughs) time and uh, that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The bar up there, yeah. I I think it's very good. I think it's a great read. Uh, But yeah, also, guys. Hey, this is the last podcast for the year. So uh, tomorrow is New Year's, Uh, and so this is this may not have been a great year for you, but two thousand twenty-two can be a great year. And so, uh, yeah, I just want to take maybe a minute here to just pray for us on that. Lord God, we just thank you for this year. We thank you for, uh, the skills you gave us, uh, the abilities, uh, to serve our families, to serve our country. Lord, we pray for our country, pray, uh, for stability in the white house and, uh, in Congress and the Senate. Lord, we ask that you would just, uh, return our country, uh, to the biblical morality, uh, that we still live. And uh, I know that, uh, we, we put our trust in you as our money, and may that mean something again And God we trust. And Lord, we just ask you to watch over our families uh, as we go to bed tonight uh, and as we wake up in 2022. It will be a great spiritual year for everyone. And uh, help us to live out the values that we know are right. And we just ask that you would help us to uh, live out God-honoring lives. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thanks for uh, your book, and uh, uh, God bless everyone out there that's listening.